Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Hi. I love how this thing says, are you ready to enter the recording studio? Like we're actual professionals. We are professionals. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How are you today? I'm fine. I actually remembered to plug in my microphone this week. Speaking of professional. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, my mind is blown at how good we are getting at this. What are we on? Our third year? Yeah. Season three. Unbelievable. I remember to put the mic where it's supposed to be so I don't have to touch it and annoy you. Nice. (laughs) Yep. I dropped poor little Boo off at the... Yeah. I I know. I I raced back home after taking Boo to the groomers. I can't believe how expensive it is. I think I'm going to start spreading out the time more. I just dropped him off and she handed me receipt for $70. Well, Yikes. That's why I did Lady at Home that one day and she looked like a <laughs> Tijuana street dog, but hey, I don't <laughs> Poor lady. I don't uh, have the money for the grooming. I can't do it. Well, then take a grooming class and then I can just send Boo over to see you. There you oh, go. No, it's a win-win. I'm definitely not uh, taking a class if I'm going to have to start doing your dog too. <laughs> I thought you loved him. I mean, I do, but he's harder because you actually like leave his hair a little bit longer. For Lady, I'm just like shave her down. Oh my god! Yeah, mm-hmm. poor thing. So, anything new and exciting besides uh, the dog? Not really. I I tried to do that macrame. I told you yesterday oh. I was trying to do that like macrame pattern I had. But then mm-hmm. when I finally sat down, I was like, okay, I have time. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I opened the pattern and I need two different sizes of cord. And I'm like, fuck. Foiled again well, because I only have one size of cord. <laughs> so... Uh. Oh, you I can't had to fake it. That. I can't what? You should you can't just fake it with using one size cord. Because I'm brand new to this, I'm not sure why it's telling me to use two different sizes. So I was like, well, let me just wait because I'll just order the other size off of Amazon and try it later. Like I'm I'm not confident enough to start substituting things out. Yeah, I don't think I ever used two different size cords in all the years that I was the macrame queen back in the cool 70s. Well, I think what's going to end up happening is this is a Christmas ornament. My thoughts are they only want two different sizes of cord because you need one size, which I have, for the Mm -hmm. ornament itself. You need the smaller size to hang it on the tree. And if that's the case, when I actually start it, I'm going to be real pissed. (laughs) Yeah, you should have read the directions. I'm getting much braver in my 
I used to never be like, I'm secure in what I'm doing. And now when I'm like knitting or crocheting, knitting, what a joke. Uh, but crocheting, I'm like, well, I can fake this by doing this. And I never used to be like that before. I don't know what's happened. Maybe my attitude of I don't give a shit attitude has <laughs> gotten another layer of things I don't give a shit about anymore. Perfection Possibly. in the crochet world. Yeah, it's very freeing. I highly, highly recommend it. Being free is a blessing. Yeah, I can do that for embroidery. Like that thing I made for Brie, I swapped out part of the pattern that was the words. I swapped them for the words that I wanted. So I was pretty proud mm -hmm. of myself for that. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Yeah. Do it sooner rather than later. Free yourself. <laughs> Break those chains. Break, Break them, yes. I didn't realize until now that I could have done that a long, long time ago and been much happier in my life. But you don't know. Yeah. You get so caught up in the struggle of trying to pay bills and feeling overwhelmed with responsibility and things that you have to do to maintain being alive that you don't realize. You can shake up your whole world and it can be better. Could be worse, too. I don't know. I was lucky. Things are better. Thank God. It's about time. <laughs> better late than never. That's right. So do you want to start chatting about the book we're going to talk about today? I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> please, please go ahead. First, let's say this was a book that we got in one of those free book these books are free. Grab them while you can. That's how we came upon this book. So the book is still currently free on Amazon, at least as of this recording. I I just double checked it. I was looking something up and okay. saw that you could still get it for free if for some reason anybody wants to read this book. And the book is Ocean's Justice, A Little Mermaid Tale, book one in the Siren of War series by Demelza Carlton. So this author actually has quite a few books that she's written, and huh. I'm not sure if this was one of her first books, because this book actually released in 2014, and oh. mm -hmm. she's got a lot of stuff. So I don't know when she started writing. This could be one of her first, her first endeavors. First That's a total guess on my part. I have no idea, but she does have a lot of books on Amazon if you look her up. So people might recognize her name mm -hmm. from some of the other things she's done, but I don't know if I've ever read anything of hers other than this book. Well, do you know what her other books are? Are they all about sea creatures or? No, she's got some alien stuff and... So maybe if we're really feeling adventurous, we could try to read one of her newer books and see if her writing has, for lack of better terms, improved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that might be a good idea. Because sometimes when you do read an older book, and especially, I mean, I don't know when she started writing, but their writing improves over time, or you just have to mix it up sometimes. But today we're going to talk about this book. Yeah, and I think also a good point about reading older books is that the things that were socially acceptable when the book was written a lot of times are no longer socially acceptable, which I'm not saying the things that happen in this book are socially acceptable, but 
mm-hmm. maybe they're not as heavily frowned upon post the Me Too movement because this book didn't have any trigger warnings on it. But this book is all about putting a woman down and it was very heavy on the uh, rape. Not that rape is happening, but that it's like the threat of rape is constant throughout this book. You know, men complain or people complain about, oh, the Me Too movement has been going on for so long. But seriously, women being brutalized sexually, it has been going on forever. So, you know, you're just going to have to, people, you're just going to have to fucking deal with it. Because the pendulum is now swinging the other way. And I thought the same thing when I was reading this book. I thought, there's a lot of bad shit going down. And why a woman would ever get on a boat back then is beyond me. Because they certainly treat this particular woman like shit. Yeah, this book is set in the like 1920s post i am assuming post world war era because there's references that clue you in that it's like not during world war 1 but i think a little after maybe i was i did a lot of googling when i read this book actually to figure out oh, what you the fuck did? was happening <laughs> yeah I was very confused because part of the book makes it seem like it's the 1700s when this shit's going down. And then other part of the books, when they are referencing like the 1900s, I'm like, what? When is this book happening? Yeah, I think I have a few things to point out that were kind of confusing as well. Okay, so let's start with chapter one. Go ahead. Okay, so right before, actually right before chapter one, there is at the beginning of the book, a link to a free audiobook for this story. I've never seen before, so I thought that was kind of cool, actually. I didn't click the link to get the audiobook, but that was something you could get if you were interested. Let's see, so chapter one kind of had an interesting start to the book. So we have a female main character who is about 18 years old. She mm-hmm. is upset over someone's death and being banished. She ends up being adrift on a raft in the Indian Ocean. She is apparently a mermaid or a siren. This is obviously the Siren Wars series, so I'm assuming siren. The thing that kind of confused me is we get this like interesting start to how she ended up adrift at sea. When they pick her up from the ocean, she's a human with legs. And in the book, she never changes. Uh, Are you sure? Does she ever get her mermaid tail back? Yes. Where are you? Did we read the same book? (laughs) Yes, but I thought, yes, because here was the... Uh, I'll tell you later, I guess, because it happens towards the very end of the book. And I... I did have a really big question when it happened. Mm. So yeah, when we get there, remind me because I'll forget and we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. So point it out. So she's in the Indian Ocean, adrift at sea on this raft. She gets picked up and rescued. And the guy that's rescuing her is a Scotsman. Which is why I was interested in reading this book. Yes. So chapter one ends with this Scotsman saying, it's all right, lass, I'll take care of you. So promising start to the beginning Mm -hmm. and then i guess this is where i should point out that well i guess i think i read it when i read the title but this is a heavy remake on the little mermaid so she's not able to speak for 99 percent of this book i would say 
because Mm -hmm. in this book, she just doesn't understand the language they're speaking. Not that she's lost her voice. So she's really not able to understand them yet she is because when they ask her her name she conveniently understands what they're asking and she can say her name is maria yes but then other times they ask her questions and she can't speak she can't form words it's kind of weird and not consistent correct yeah so she she meets somebody a boy he's not he's not a boy he's a man but he's a young man on the ship his name is charlie Charlie Seaborn, but everybody calls him Charlie. And he's talking to her, even though they don't believe she can understand them. And he says, the men are saying you're something supernatural, seeing you as you look like Venus and all on account of having no clothes, not like them skinny flappers. You have bosoms. Like what? (laughs) Well... Okay, I'm glad you read that comment because this is when I really started to hate this book. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, I already kind of hated it before this point, honestly. But there's Mm -hmm. many comments about her boobs and her body. And Charlie does say in that quote, the men talk about them a lot. So this really leads into the fact that like the men start focusing on how she looks and that she, oh my God, she's a woman sort of thing. Well, this is why I thought it was like the 1700s because hopefully in the 1900s, men had a little more decorum when it came to oogling a woman's body and commenting on it. But maybe not and he I mean tells her they they don't have that now so I doubt in the 1900s yeah, they well, did either <laughs> yeah so he tells her the captain found clothes for you to protect your um modesty and then she sees another man standing there with ocean blue eyes looking at her and his name is Mr. McGregor which apparently is the Scotsman that pulled her out of the ocean. He's the Scotsman. His first name is William. So I had a another note I had to say about Charlie and when he's talking to her. He gets her to eat a Marmite sandwich. And my note here is fucking drown me. No, thank you. That sounds disgusting. I don't even Not- know what that is. Did you Google it? <laughs> Or all I could think is the stuff that they have in Australia, which I think is Marmite. Maybe it's called something different, but that's what I thought it was. And I'm like, it sounds horrible. And I think it's Vegemite. Vegemite. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this is Marmite, I could just imagine it's some sort of precursor to Vegemite. Yeah. Uh, No, thank you. The other thing that I thought was very weird, considering that it's supposedly the 1900s, is Charlie is constantly calling her Lady Maria. They call her Lady Maria. Why? Why not just Maria? They're addressing her like she's royalty or something. I was confused. Doesn't matter. There's other things to comment on, I guess. Well, this is kind of the confusing thing that happened to me in the book is that they're in the Indian Ocean. William is a Scotsman. There's references to things that happen in America. And then at one point, there's like a Japanese man. Like, are they supposed to be world traveling pirates? Or are they just like Mm. merchants? I don't really understand how all these people on this random boat are so worldly. Like at one point, the captain is trying to talk to her and he speaks to her in Dutch and German and English, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she responds in what he thinks is Dutch, but then he says her Dutch is even worse than mine. 
but how is she speaking that language if they found her in the Indian Ocean? Like, I didn't understand what was happening geographically. And this was some of my Googling I had to do, like geography Googling. Well, here, I have a comment to your comment. I believe, and I could be totally wrong because I was trying to make up things in my own mind about this book as I was reading it. Mr. William McGregor is not part of the crew. He is someone going somewhere that is on this ship. And I do believe that back in the day, or even now, it was very convenient or important from traveling all over the world that you do speak more than one language. That was just me trying to justify what was happening. The Japanese part, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, that's the part that threw me for a loop. I'm like, what the fuck? How did we land here? Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, I have notes about the Japanese character later too. In chapter three, they're talking about the Dutch stuff, about the ship. We have the Indian Ocean. We got the Scotsman. They start talking about flappers. Like this was very confusing for me. And so William is obviously supposed to be like her new love interest. I was okay with until he said this, where he tells them that he'll be responsible for her, basically. And he says, at least she's easy on the eyes and doesn't say much. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Those are qualities a woman has. She can be, we can struggle to deal with her. um, Yeah. My note there is woof. That was gross. Yeah. Yeah. And also he says to her, or the captain says to her, half the crew is saying that you're some kind of sea monster, that you murdered everyone aboard your last ship before you sank it. And I thought, Jesus Christ, where is that coming from? I, What a horrible well, thing to say to her. That I actually kind of understood because women being on ships was supposed to be bad luck. Even and- in the 1900s, will you get over it? No, of course not. This is why I said, like, are they pirates that they have these, like, this would make sense in the 1700s, like, oh, we can't have a woman on board because she's gonna curse us or what have you. So, I mean, they did drag her naked ass out of the sea, so I could see why they're kind of superstitious, but at the same time, this is like the 1920s, so pick Mm -hmm. a lane, right? He makes a comment, or they're talking about her enormous breasts. And William tells the crew, you you need to show her respect or you're going to answer to me. My only other note from this chapter is when he has her drink tea because... Yeah! I, Go ahead. As somebody who hates tea, I appreciated this. So she drinks tea. I love tea. tea. Oh, so gross. So she burns her mouth, of course, because it's hot. He says tea pointing at the cups and he says an important word to remember last where there's tea there's civilization and then for her it says trying not to grimace i drank this stuff wondering what kind of backward people willingly drank river mud Mm, (laughs) yeah i knew you i knew when i read that i thought oh rachel's gonna appreciate this i did appreciate it gave me a little bit of chuckle but at the same time This was only 24 pages into the book, 10%, and I was bored out of my fucking mind. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought, God, I hope this gets better. Of course, then the night's starting to fall, right? And he insists Mm -hmm. on sleeping in her cabin that night because he's right to assume that all the men hate her because while he's in there 
they try to go in there to attack her and throw her overboard. What the fuck is wrong? These barbarians. This is the where I put a note that the portion of the book starts where all the men either hate her or want to fuck her or yeah. want to hate fuck her because that's yeah. all that ends up happening. They want to kill her. They want to rape yeah. her. They want to throw overboard. Mm-hmm. Everybody on this boat. Yeah. And William is defending her, you know, when they say she's a siren sent to seduce us and sink the ship. You're defending a monster. And he says, shut your mouth before, you know, he starts punching them out, I guess. At some point, Maria thinks more about this past love of her life that she had. Yeah, his name is Giuseppe. I was so confused by her background with Giuseppe because she thinks like Giuseppe was dead by my hands. He would never touch me again. And I vowed no other man would either. My heart and my love belonged to a dead man. Okay. Not for long. Not for long because she quickly retracts that no other man's going to touch me because she sure does let William touch her. Yeah. Yeah. He won her over by bringing her a gift and the gift was a tortoise shell comb. And he starts combing her hair, saying, I'm going to comb your hair. Is this where he tells her, please make sure you bind your hair up when you're around the crew because it's bad luck to have... Why the fuck are women always... Men are the troublemakers. Why are women always described as having an issue? Put your hair up or the men are going to think it's a bad sign to have your hair down if you're a woman on a ship. This is where he comb her hair and braid it for her and put it up but right before he does all that he teaches her how to say thank you yeah and i kind of threw up in my mouth when he did that yeah because god forbid a man not be thanked for Mm -hmm. doing any little fucking thing it gets even worse as he's doing her hair he says i wish you could understand me i'm sure you'll let me know if you want me to stop i swear i had a physical reaction of my vagina shriveling up when he said that (laughs) it was so cringy oh yeah so it's so gross. Yeah, I kind of blocked that out of my head I'm, because I was still trying to figure out what the fuck is happening in this book and is it going to get better? Well, it doesn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not gonna not gonna argue that with you because I yeah. agree. My next highlight from the book is about how she is not necessarily better than him because in the last chapter, we just said how she's thinking about her ex and how her body and her heart belong to him and blah, blah, blah. Then she thinks about how to thank him. And so the quote is, wishing I had some way of thanking him for his kindness, I stared down at my body covered in borrowed clothes. This was all I had and something in the hesitant way he touched me told me that my body wasn't the sort of currency he'd accept. But what else did I have to offer? What the fuck? The only thing I could think of when I read that is maybe sirens or mermaids have an entirely different view on what their body is for and whether it should be used for currency. I, yeah, I was kind of appalled when I read that. That would kind of make sense. But then when she does finally have sex with William, she thinks about how she never like did that with Giuseppe or how it was different from how she was with him or something. So then I was 
thinking, is she supposed to be a virgin? I didn't really understand like her relationship with Giuseppe, but, and I don't think I had highlighted it when she finally got with William. It was very bizarre. And I, yeah, this is just like part of the laundry list of comments or thoughts that happen in the book that I did not like. I thought they were disgusting. So I have to comment. I want to talk about chapter six because... <laughs> William takes her on a tour of the boat and he takes her into the cargo hold and there's mud in the bottom of the cargo hold. And I'm thinking, why is that? He had something like a, a flashlight or something. She wasn't sure what it was. It's like a piece of metal to her that he held at like waist high. So she drops to her knees to get a better look at this. And this annoying Charlie person comes in and assumes that I think that Marie is getting ready to blow William because Charlie freaks out and goes, what are you doing with Miss Maria? Mm -hmm. And, you know, William's just all trying to show her how to hold the torch. Nothing, nothing inappropriate. And I thought, how the fuck? What? I think I deleted this highlight, actually. But let me see if I can find it. Because I'm not sure if it's from the same chapter you're talking about. I think it might have... Maybe it was at the end of that. Where Charlie makes this comment. The boiler room where the firemen work is like hell. But when you see how fast they stoke the engines. Oh, it's like magic. You won't believe something so huge can go so fast. And then William replies, lad, you have no idea, but I think she might. Yes. This is when I'm like, this is another example of how William is no better than any of the other crew members there. Yeah. My my highlight, the only note I really had from chapter six was during that tour you're talking about, but it mm-hmm. was before this happened when he's showing her where like the crew live or something charlie is being bullied or by some of the other crewmates and he's actually naked Mm -hmm. this is what she thinks his voice sounded uneasy and i wondered what i'd done to unsettle him was it my laughter at charlie's unfortunate shrinkage Surely he hadn't expected me to admire the modestly endowed boy. Ew. <laughs> Ew is right. Thank you. So Disgusting. We, we, end, we end up getting a little more insight as to what the fuck happened and where she came from. Because William takes her to see those engines so she can see how they're stoked. He ends up taking her into the room and she sees a bunch of fire and she freaks out and she has a horrifying image of the Emden burning as dying men screamed. And she started screaming because she thought the fire was how the last ship she was on caught on fire and burned. I think that's how she met Giuseppe. Yes, I think so. So anyway, the captain starts screaming, get her out of the engine room. It's no place for a woman. And he tells mm-hmm. William, don't don't let her out of your sight. I don't want her near the room again. And he's like, "Go, let's go up on the deck and have more of that tea that you love. <laughs> yeah, and then they're asking, have you heard anything about her vessel? Did you hear any news about a wreckage? And they're all no. And this is when they run into a guy called Alchin, A-L-L-C-H-I-N, 
who is Japanese, correct? Yeah. Was his name Kato-san? Was that his last name, maybe? I was kind of confused, and I was trying to do my notes and figure out what was his actual name. It might have been what you said. I think Kato is... I think Kato's his first name. Maybe this Alton person is the cook. I don't know. But instantly, you know, he starts talking to him or... And he asks him, did your friend, because I guess William had a friend that was Japanese, and he's all, did your friend know jujitsu? Because I would like to practice with you. And William explains, I practice samurai hand-to-hand fighting every morning. I don't, I don't understand what was the point of this character. And so there's a Japanese character on the boat. But then, like you said, there's a Japanese character that William used to know. I don't know when that he when, learned when he lived in Japan. Type. Apparently, he's a fucking world traveler. I don't understand yeah. how it's not like he <laughs> can fucking fly anywhere. But OK, this character was so like disturbing to me and mm-hmm. so heavy on the Japanese stereotypes. Yeah. And he like changed everybody's name and made the most like Japanese-ness about him was that he added S-A-N to everybody's name. Except for Williams, who he completely butchered because I guess McGregor is not McGregor-san would work. It was like way fucking different when he called Williams. Yeah, I don't know why this guy was even in the mix of this book. This was totally unnecessary. He was... Japanese in the sense that like Maria is a fucking siren like is she a siren because you say she's a siren but there's no evidence to suggest that she is to me <laughs> other than her like being in the fucking ocean at this point <laughs> like uh yeah and why uh, suddenly she can talk suddenly in f- a few words here and there right she's well I mean um Uh, Yeah, she's having, like, this is what I'm saying, like, her inability to speak is very convenient, and when it comes and goes, because sometimes she can talk and understand people, other times she can't, and she laments the fact that she can't answer William's questions, because, spoiler alert, at this point, she's fully in love with him, and I've never been more confused in my life. Like, how did this happen? Why... Mm -hmm. Was it his, like, alluding to the fact that you're a whore and you know how fast things can move when they're big and strong? I I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's in lust with his build and physique and that accent. So That that would work for me. 100%. Yeah, I'm all in. 100% (laughs) I'm in on that. I would do them. So he's able to find out that she was on the ship that caught on fire. He asked her, how did you escape? And she says, I dove into the water. And he said, what about sharks? Aren't you afraid about sharks? And she said, "There." she's able to say, no fear, big fish. And That's he what asked, I'm <laughs> Yeah. And he asked her, what's the name of your ship? And he tells her that Emden... And he's like, I've heard that. And all of a sudden he starts talking about how it was a warship and it was a big victory for the British during the war. You can't have come for that from that. They only allow men on warships. And mm-hmm. he thought it was sunk years ago at some island in the Indian Ocean. I mean, she's 18 now. So was she like 14 when she knew Giuseppe and fell in love with him? I don't. I don't get the age thing with her. The timeline's not really making sense. 
The other thing that didn't make sense is she's banished by what she refers to the old women who she hated because she was in love with Giuseppe and they said that's not allowed. He makes up this whole fantasy in his mind that she must be the daughter of some rich colonist. Aren't you? Or are you his wife? He like really gets freaked out. And he's <laughs> all, why, why didn't you? yeah, I love this. Why didn't you scream like my sister or any quote unquote normal girl when you saw Charlie naked? Are you innocent? Are you a married woman? Have you seen a dick before? And it's like, Jesus Christ. Well, a normal woman would have screamed at a dick. This is the whole like, you're a whore, even though I'm kind of treating you like a lady but deep down he thinks she's basically a whore because he's making references to how she knows how you know penises work right Uh, but then he's also like don't speak to her like that because she's a lady what are you doing is she a whore or is she not a whore yeah and he ends up that he finishes this fantasy in his mind that She must be Giuseppe's widow because he finds out that Giuseppe died, was eaten by sharks, and starts crying. She starts crying and he he assumes, he's like, I'm sorry, lass, not a wife, a widow. And she thinks to herself, Giuseppe was no longer the only man I ever loved. (laughs) Okay. That's why I highlighted this and I was so fucking confused because like she can't really have any conversations with him and the guy's basically constantly calling her a slut. But now she's thinking, I was fast falling for someone else. I knew that if any man could mend my broken heart, it was William. How? There's no like backstory between you two. Like there's no like believable attraction there other than his eyes and, you know, his accent, which that's not love. That's like, I want to sleep with you. Well, I have confused wanting to fuck somebody with love many, many times in my life. So I will give her a pass for that. And I do have a theory when we get to the end of this book of what is happening here. Oh, thank God, because I have no fucking clue what's going on. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, and also, maybe in her defense, she is 18, so it is a lot harder to recognize the lust versus love feelings when you're 18. So maybe I I agree. Yes. You know, again, they insult her. They're going to do a, he, William explains to her, we're going to do like a, drill to make sure people can get into lifeboats have you ever worn a a life jacket the crew's all standing there they're all staring at them and he explains to her you know you have to be quick if there's a crisis or the lifeboat may launch without you and then the captain says rings the bell and tells her when you hear the sound it means the ship's sinking and if you don't hurry You'll sink along with her, you know, with the ship and you'll drown. And she says the word ship back to him because she can pick up a, you know, something here and there. And somebody says, hallelujah, she's not as stupid as we thought. They all hate her. And doesn't somebody also say something? Maybe it wasn't at this point, but I think they were a little late getting out of their cabin for this drill that happens. And did somebody say like, Didn't you have to put the clothes on your whore and that's what took you so long to get out of your cabin or something? Yes, this is when we meet a guy called Sakari. Sakari? Sakara? I don't know how to say his name. We realize this guy has some deep-seated issues and needs to be in therapy about why he hates women so much. 
he makes a comment about dressing your whore. He -hmm. calls her a bitch. William says, leave her alone. He says, you need to put a leash on her because he went to do something to her and she defended herself and hurt him. That's unthinkable that she would actually defend herself. So now they really hate her. This guy really hates her. My note is that we are fully in the Maria's a whore and we gotta rape the whore out of her face. Right. So, you know, things just keep happening where Charlie touches her to say, you have to come on deck and see something. William gets really pissed that you touched her. He touched her. They go up front and they see a bunch of dolphins and she gets all excited. They're conjugating for a reason and she can say fish and she's pointing at the fish. It's very weird. There's a lot of stuff that's weird in this book. There's like a couple references to, well, that's a leap on my part. I'm thinking that references like this are supposed to be alluding to the fact that she is a siren and sirens are known for driving men at sea insane. Yeah. So that's probably what the author's trying to do here in terms of like all the men fucking hate her and or want to have sex with her and even william isn't immune to her charms neither is charlie all of them on this boat are fucking skeezy but william does say to her at one point i don't know what it is about you but you drive men crazy with how much we want you i know if you were mine i'd never want to let you go And then I think he thinks later on, or maybe he says it, like, I know I would never actually marry you, and I've never actually seen you in a dress, and if I saw you in a wedding dress, that would be like the end of me, or some weird thought like that. We're also introduced to the skeezy guy's second guy that he's friends with called Barrett, that both both of these people have nefarious thoughts about wanting to rape her because obviously she's a whore and they have some kind of physical fight where he's like i'll wager a night with your whore on a fight if you win you can keep her if you lose i get her who the fuck agreed to this did maria agree to this I don't know if it's because she's spending more time on the boat. And maybe this gets explained in later books in the series. The men are really escalating how they treat her and how they speak to her and how they react to her. Because even Charlie goes to kiss her or he does kiss her. And he says, what's wrong, Maria? Haven't you ever been kissed before? You're my first too? Well, I think Charlie is a total innocent. She's not. And I need you to explain. There's a conversation they have. I don't even know who says it, but somebody says, you mean the proxy whore queen of Sydney, queen of the night or the underworld or whatever they call her. I heard it was six of her whore. Oh, they beat up the bad guy because he refused to pay. He went to a whorehouse, I guess. And he refused to pay after he of course, got his rocks off. And so women beat him up. So Charlie and William are laughing at him saying, I'm going to fight you and kick your ass. If women can kick your ass, I certainly can. And we'll fight tomorrow at the end of our shift. I have to be honest. I've really had checked out from the book at this point. And like, I don't even have any more like recaps from here, except for a couple, because I was struggling so hard in this book because it was so horrible. It, it was horrible. So yeah, we can just 
there's a lot more crap that goes down where they're horrible to her. Of course, they get a hold of her. They put her in where all this muddy stuff is in the hole. And they're going to take turns raping her. Yeah, we can just skim over all of this. Part of the escalation, um, the only thing that really is happening here is like she starts to fight back towards the end. She thinks about how the ocean's depths would claim my attacker's ocean's justice. So I guess that's how this book is supposed to get its name is that she's sinking the, uh, yet another ship or something and getting her revenge on these horrible men who constantly want to fuck her and kill her. Yeah, they, they've locked her in the hole and she finds this rusty, riveted piece of metal attached to the side of the ship. And I thought, fuck, I wouldn't even get on a ship if I knew that was there. And so she's decided she's going to start breaking these rusty rivets out, even though she knows by doing so, the ship is going to sink. She's got to save William. And then she thinks a shipwreck had brought Giuseppe to my arms too. I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> the guy, one of the guys ends up going in there, trying to attack her, tells her horse, like you keep the men happy on a long voyage. That's when she's able to break this piece of metal off the side of the ship, flooding the hole. I thought she could turn in back into her form because she goes into the water that's collecting in the bottom of the hole and mm -hmm. shifts, I believe, shifts into her siren form. Okay. So that she can escape, but she's going to kill him. She ends up killing him, drowning him in this muck. She gets her legs back. She goes running out of the hole, screaming, you know, we're, sh we're sinking. So the lifeboat drill comes in handy. Well, yeah, they're like the boat sinks and she's separated from everybody. And it's basically like another shipwreck. The book ends with her being with yet another new person. So she's kind of moving from, she's like a fucking natural disaster. She's moving from like yeah. ship to ship and slowly sinking them as she goes, which I guess if she's a siren, that's what she's supposed to do, right? Well, that's what I thought. The conclusion of the book was she's a siren. She goes from ship to ship. She's causing them to sink because of course she separated and a new man finds her and pulls her up on their ship. He tells her, you know, she's all upset about William missing, just like she was upset about Giuseppe. But now it's William's turn to be missing. I honestly, at this point, I closed the book and I thought, I need a break. I'm going to have to finish this book later. I open the book and the book, it's ended. They've brought her on the boat and some woman is giving her clothes to put on. They talk about, so this new ship captain talks about how they fished her out of a lifeboat from the Travessa, mm -hmm. which I guess was supposed to be the boat she was on last. And yeah. they're going to keep her with them until they get to F Fremantle, I think is how you say that. So they ask, like, was it sharks? Apparently there's a lot of fucking sharks. I mean, this is close yeah. to Australia. So maybe they do have a lot of sharks. Oh, I don't know. Maybe so. <laughs> It could very well be so. Okay, even this woman that she meets on this other boat comments on her fucking boobs because they talk about how yeah. she has to make her a new dress because she says, with breasts like that, it's probably a good thing I have some fashions from a few years ago. If I put you in one of the flapper dresses my nieces were wearing, men wouldn't be able to stare at anything but your chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think and that's when I said I need to take a break. And then I, when I went back to the book, I was like, oh, that's the end. Basically, she thinks about how she misses William, but now she's got a whole nother life ahead of her with clothes. And like, she's moving on to her next path of destruction. But my question for you actually about the end, did you notice that the last three chapters of the book were actually in this book twice? No. What do you mean? So I downloaded this book off of Amazon like a fucking week ago, not even. So this is a new download for me. And so chapters 23, 24, and 25 are actually the end of the book. So the book ends at the end of chapter 25. But then we have chapters 26, 27, and 28, who are exactly the same repeats of the prior three chapters. I was like, what the fuck is happening? This book was already horrible and confusing enough. And then this happened? Like, what? (laughs) Oh my God. You know what? I got to tell you, when I went to open the book, when I was around those chapters, I thought, did I read part of this on my phone while I was waiting somewhere for my turn at something? Why am I seeing this again? Oh, well, that's probably that why confused you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so ready to blame myself for everything that I don't think possibly. That's absurd. And the editor didn't notice that? No, I don't understand why it was like that. I've never seen a book do that before, I don't think. Literally three chapters. I thought I was losing my fucking mind because it ends like, Chapter 25 ends with her thinking about her new life and everything. And then it basically jumps to, I don't know. Anyways, my note was basically that I didn't even want to read this thing once, let alone twice. twice. Yeah, that's hilarious because you thought you were losing your mind. I have long ago accepted the fact that I've lost my mind and I'm, I never know what I'm doing at any given time. So I instantly thought, oh, I must have opened this book and bookmarked it wrong or something because I don't understand why this is happening. Are you ready to discuss this book and what you rated it? Mm -hmm, Go ahead. Yes, I would give this book a negative five dry panties. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how this is a six book series. Mm -hmm. And... I feel like this is a great example as to why I personally stopped reading books that have a lower rating on Goodreads. I feel like Goodreads is pretty honest. This book has like a 3.8 rating on Goodreads. With even that, I don't understand. I think yeah, what? Four, that's really low, like very low oh. for Goodreads. And on Amazon, this has a four star rating, which even to me, like knowing how Amazon goes through book reviews, mm-hmm. I usually don't want to even read a book that has a four star rating on Amazon because they're so strict about allowing negative reviews that they usually filter a lot of shit out. They like refuse to let certain reviews come through. So this book has a four, a solid four stars on Amazon. I don't even understand how that's fucking possible. I didn't like it. I don't think there's anything about it that I really enjoyed. It was kind of confusing. Their characters weren't developed. Too many references to like rape and all these things. I don't know. It was not it was not my cup of tea to bring that full circle. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I hated this book. I felt like it was something somebody would have written in their high school creative writing class. 
how this is a six book series, I don't know. I couldn't get through book one without wanting to throw up. I also would give this like many negative very dry panty rating. I don't think there was anything redeeming about this book. I mean, it could have been interesting if she was a siren whose job it was to go from ship to ship and destroy the men and destroy the ship and sink them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing, but nothing like that was ever explained. There were many questions I had about this book. I do not recommend this book at all. And I, I'm sorry, Demelza, Carlton, I think this is not a great book is this book self-published is that why i mean i have no idea i mean there's a lot of self-published authors that have really good books Um, oh i agree but there's also a lot that have horrible books true i think in the future you you have to be the one responsible for picking our next books if you go to goodreads and you do all that research to see what it's rated because i don't do any of that i'm too busy well, I'm busy too. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to help. I picked the next book, which I thought is, you know, we'll talk about that too. But you really don't know until you read it. And like, honestly, like some people give a negative review for whatever reason they found it negative. But for me, it might be a positive. Like some people will say like this book had too many sex scenes. For me, that's not a negative. Yeah. Obviously for that person it was, right? Yeah. So (laughs) this book could have had a low rating, but then I still could have enjoyed it. But there wasn't enough about her. Like there was too much time spent in the book about the other men on the ship and how much they fucking hated her when it would have been nice to like understand anything about her like yeah her being a siren her being magical what the hell happened with just women like yeah like why was she banished like anything i need to have any reason to like her as a character but like i don't know her as a character all i know is she's got big titties and (laughs) she's not really speaking and she has like a habit of sinking ships like that's all i know about her so i don't care about her at all to read the next book like that's oh here was my here was something also that i wanted to say so she didn't want to when she saw the other ships when william's ship sank and the guys were the other guys were getting away they all just assumed oh she was eaten by sharks we're gonna miss her let's raise the (laughs) sail and it was amazing and she didn't want to call out to them because She was in her mermaid form and she didn't want them to see her legs. But when they found her and pulled her out of the ocean, she was on a little raft half hanging off this raft. Was she not in mermaid form? Why did she have legs then? Exactly. That's something like she's conveniently a siren when she needs to be. And other times she's a human when she needs to be kind of like her speaking and understanding people. She can conveniently speak when she needs to. And other times she fucking can't like make it make sense. The math is not mathing. Yes. She was unconscious <laughs> and on both of those rescues where she's pulled from the boat and pulled from the ocean. So I would think she wouldn't have any control over what form she was in. And yeah, if she exactly. did, she, she could have made her legs come back so she could have been with William. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> do not Do not recommend. I'm sorry. And the problem for us, I think, is since we're doing... A book review that's what we do on this podcast 
we can't just stop reading a book. I, at least I feel that way. It's like, I have to finish this book, even if it's a piece of shit. I have to finish it so we can talk about it. It's not like if I were reading for pleasure and we didn't do this podcast, I would have I would have gotten rid of this book a long time ago and not finished it. I don't know about how you feel. Well, I feel the same way, but I think that we're stuck in that dilemma because we do one episode per week. And so because our reading and our turnaround on episodes is so fast, Mm -hmm. we don't, I can't read this book and then decide that I hate it and then not do the episode because that's my only other option. I either do the episode and tell you guys that I didn't like it. Or mm-hmm. I would literally have to have a skip a week and have us not release yeah. the episode at all. And then we'd have to try to read something else and hope that we liked it. But then at the same time, I don't want to just review stuff that I like. When I do reviews on Goodreads or Amazon... I'm not just writing a review on books I like. I'm also writing reviews on books I don't like because I want to write a review on everything that I'm reading. When I'm writing reviews, I stopped writing reviews a while ago because we don't have fucking time for that anymore. In my, yeah, I was going to say you you don't have time for that for you <laughs> no for I anything don't. anymore. I don't, but I know people who will only write a review if they rate a book like four stars and up. And I'm like, why? Why are you only focusing yeah. on the books that you like and you're like willingly disregarding a book you dislike? Like, I don't understand that either. So like, I totally, I totally get it. In real life, I would stop reading this book at 10% and I would move on with my life. But because I have to like read it and try to do the episode this is just what it is. It's either doing this with a quick turnaround and we do an episode a week or we have to like switch up how we do the podcast and only do an episode every couple weeks or something. Well, for me, the problem is when I'm reading a book that I don't like, I have to start reading another book at the same time that I do like to save my sanity. So when I was reading this book, I honest to God, I started three other books. I finished (laughs) one of them and I started a fourth book. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no wonder I don't know what's happening. So, tell it's me like, about the other books that you were reading then, since you were reading so many other things. Okay, so I am still reading A Court This Cruel and Lovely. Oh, okay, okay. I'm starting to have a hard time, though, with this book, because there's too much time. There's too many trips to the dungeon to try to find her friend and free her. And I'm terrified of what's going to happen. So I'm like 60% through that book. I finished and started another book and hold on. I'm trying to open this. And this is so dang takes a long for this thing to open. Okay. So while you do that, can I tell you what I'm currently reading? Because it ties into what you were just said. Go ahead. So I'm currently reading book three in that series. Mm. Mm. I think it's a crown this something and heavy, I think is the title. Let me see. By that author. It's it's really good. I do really like this book and this author. It is oh, a crown this cold and heavy by Stasia Stark. So that's book three in the series that you are you just mentioned. Yeah, so I finished book six in the Griffin Pride series, which okay. is called Pride and Perdition. And then I also finished book seven in that series. Wow. <laughs> yeah, called A Matter of Pride. 
And I started the next book. So these books are not very long. I wish they were longer. I just started Haunted by Pride. And then I also started reading High Moon, which is a Katie Wilde book. It has to do with the berserkers and the wolves. Yeah, is that part of the same series that you told me about yeah. last episode? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I started reading that book, and then I also started reading the next book we're going to review. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't read that much since our last episode because I... <laughs> so I was waiting for Iron Flame to come out on the Libby library app. Oh. And so... I did get it from the library. And then I got to about 50% through the book. And this book is fucking huge. It's very big. Oh, oh. I, I got to about 50% through the book. And I'm like, I'm loving this book so much that I'm just going to purchase it from Amazon anyways. I bought it on Amazon. I finished it. And as soon as I was done reading that, I read this Ocean's Justice book. And then I finish that and then now i'm reading currently i'm reading book three of that um stasia stark series so i'm confused so the book that you ended up buying the first book was the one is wasn't that an audiobook so the first book i had read when it came out like months and months ago and i had just recently listened to it in audio version for the first time just to like refresh my memory okay. to prepare for book two to come out yeah i'm still waiting for the first book in that series i'm on the waiting list well my problem with this series is that i'm reading it as she's releasing it and so it's a five book series and there's only two books out right now so it you're really not missing anything if you want to try to wait and read them as more books are released i'm 35th in line oh that's not bad actually you'll probably get pretty quick i mean i am liking the series but now i'm in the rut where i'm waiting for you know sarah moss books to come out now i'm waiting for iron flame sequel books to come out i'm waiting for a bunch of other books that i just this uh book three in the stasia stark series I don't think it's the last book. So I got to wait for the next book to come out on that. Like I'm reading so many good series right now. The wait is going to kill me. Well, right. Yeah. I was just in Amazon this morning seeing I've ordered so much shit on Amazon this month. It's terrible because Christmas is supposed to be about giving gifts to other people. But for whatever reason, it just seems that December is a month where I just go crazy and buy a bunch of shit for me. I was on, what else am I waiting for? So I'm still waiting for the second Roku to go on the TV in my bedroom. And then I saw the Sarah Moss book. The next book in the Crescent City series is Mm. coming out the end of January. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. When that book comes out, we're going to have to take some time off from this podcast because the way that second book ended, I cannot fucking wait to read the third book. I've already decided I'm going to take time off of work when it comes out so I can just stay home <laughs> for free. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's hilarious because I got to say of all the books I've read in my life, and I've been reading my whole life because I love to freaking read, that ending on book two was the most surprised ending of any book I think I've ever read in my fucking life. Yeah, so... Uh, 
I want to make a comment on that. And so I'm just going to say, like, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't read any of the Sarah Moss books yet. Like, yeah, maybe fast forward, like, a minute or yeah. just end the episode now or something. She has put so many Easter eggs of all in all of her books. Something that happened in the first series, Throne of Glass actually comes up in the Akatar series. So those two are already connected, those two series. And now the Crescent City series is also tied in with Akatar, which we know Akatar is tied in with Throne of Glass. So all three of her book series are connected. <laughs> really fucking crazy to me how things that happened in her first series are now connecting with this series. And actually like, not things she's writing in Crescent City. Things that she wrote in Throne of Glass series are now coming to play in like Crescent City. How does she plan and plot and like have all of this stuff so thought out in advance? It's amazing to me. Because she is brilliant. She is a brilliant, brilliant writer of our time. I- I'm not just saying that because I'm on her the bandwagon of people that like her. But it's like, of all the freaking authors that I have read, this woman is amazing on how she will put you on a roller coaster ride that Mm -hmm. will stop your heart, revive you, and stop it again. I don't know how she comes up with the things she is, but in my mind, she is a brilliant writer. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's like crazy to me. And she started writing Throne of Glass when she was in high school. It's amazing. Oh my Some God. people just have the talent for this. And it's like, thank you for actually sharing what you do with the rest of us. Because yeah. I can't do this, but I could read your books and I could support you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's like the Charles Dickens, William Shakespeare of our time. She's amazing to me. Yeah, I to- I totally agree. Like, I can't wait for Crescent City 3 to come out. Mm-hmm. And then we have two more books and a novella to come out in the Akatar world. Oh, and then there's more books uh, scheduled in the Crescent City after book three. And I have to say, not only is the her writing an amazing source of entertainment, but I never, ever, ever get tired of the parody on the Akatar on Instagram. (laughs) It is a constant source of entertainment to me to see how people are commenting about her writing and, you know, when you turn somebody on to her books, how you just have a smile on your face because you know they're in for a ride of their life. Yeah, Stephen King, she's like the Stephen King... Of horror, but in this fantasy world. I don't know. Who else would you compare her to? She's amazing. I mean, I would compare her to Tolkien, but she hasn't created her own language. So I really can't do that. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I just need her to create a whole new language like he did, and then she'll be on par with him. But she is right, right up there. And anybody that hasn't re- read her stuff yet, please treat yourself to a huge favor and go and start reading her stuff because she will take you on a ride of a lifetime. Yeah, and the thing that also really, like, this is how you also know she's a really good writer. Her three book series are 
essentially different genres within the fantasy world. So Throne of Glass was a young adult fantasy series, which now they've remarketed it as just fantasy to get a wider audience. But let's not kid ourselves. It's a young adult yeah. series. Is it? So I usually don't like those, and I love that series. It really is. So okay. Throne of Glass is young adult fantasy. Then we have mm-hmm. Akatar, which is fantasy a little more like uh, paranormal romance-y and then we have crescent city which is an urban fantasy sit series so she- i think somebody rang my doorbell oh so the dogs are barking but anyways yeah. she has so many different talk about the last genre the urban fantasy uh, is that all you were going to ur- say about it yeah just that she has they're all fantasy but they're all very different in, and it's not easy to do. Doing an urban fantasy is a very different style from doing a traditional fantasy, from doing a young adult fantasy series. And so her, the fact that she can do them all and do them all well is very impressive. Yeah, that's the thing. If we were reading books like that all the time, we need a few more books, I think, that we love or enjoy. Maybe the next book. I don't know. Do you want to talk about the next book? Uh, yes, I actually have two books I want to talk about real fast. So the next go right book ahead. is um, Secret Santa by Katie Wilde. So that's going to be like our Christmassy book for you guys. I love her. I'm excited to read that because I know it's going to be I'm pretty. too. And then I just saw today. <laughs> what? Hilarious. But remember when we did Stuffed, A Living Pillow Romance? Yes! Yeah, so book two in the Stuffed series just released this <gasps> month. Oh my God. And it is called Double Stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So that just came out this month. So I might have to read that just because that first book was so like wild, but also enjoyable. I would read that second book. Maybe uh, maybe we can read that for the podcast or something. I'm not sure. Um, or just because. Fuck it. Okay. That sounds so. good to me. All right. All right. Well, it was fun uh, chatting. Yep. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com and check the show notes for a link to all of our social media.